Rachel, I'm so sorry to bother you, but can you tell me the time? Sure, it's 4.30. Y'all, I'm so sorry. My allergies are really acting up this week. Sorry about all this hot weather we've been having. Mary Scott, can you do me a favor? Sure, there's no problem. Okay, thank you so much. And I'm really sorry to bother you. Sorry to put another thing on your plate, but I'll connect with you about it after we record. Do any of these interactions sound familiar to y'all? If so, (laughs) you might just have sorry syndrome. And one more apology. Sorry to jump around in the show order. But before we get to today's topic, a quick reminder. Our season break is coming up. A few weeks ago, Mary Scott suggested that we take a few months off this summer to recharge, do some planning about our next season, and keep up our bell curve mojo. So we'll be taking July and August off, and we'll be back with you in September. Curvies, like Mary Scott said in the last episode, it is so important to recharge. And the last year has been so hectic, and many of us, myself included, are feeling frazzled, hassled, and harangued by our many commitments and obligations, and frankly, spending a lot of time on on the computer. But everyone deserves some time off, and we're not going to apologize for it. Rachel, would you like to put in a word for our sponsor, Higher Echelon? Have you ever invested in professional development training for yourself or your team and realized it was a waste of time and money because the material wasn't helpful or the presenter wasn't a credible guide to get you to the next level? Don't waste money on training that doesn't make an impact. Higher Echelon is an organizational performance consulting firm that delivers world-class, impactful, evidence-based leadership training, executive coaching programs, and applied high-performance consulting that helps get clients real results. One sales team came to Higher Echelon because they were really struggling to meet their goals. They went through Higher Echelon's training and met their sales quota for the first time in 14 years. What could your team do if they knew the secrets from psychology that could help them perform better and feel more life satisfaction? Go to higherechelon.com to learn more or send us a note here at Bell Curve. Go higher and achieve more with Higher Echelon. So what is sorry syndrome? It's basically the compulsion to apologize for things incessantly, even when they're things outside of our control. Here are a few signs you might be afflicted by sorry syndrome, according to some of the articles I found while doing research for this. If you apologize for things you have no control over or for someone else's actions or for normal everyday interactions, think something like scooting past someone who is seated on your row in a movie theater or on an airplane. You apologize to inanimate objects. I do this all the time. If I drop my phone, I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. I apologize to my phone. You apologize for things you don't think are wrong just to ease attention, or you apologize when you're trying to be assertive. I, I really like the way that columnist Jessica Barrett puts it with sorry is a crutch, a tyrannical lady crutch. It's a space filler, a hedge, a way to politely ask for something without offending to appear soft while making a demand. As Jessica Barrett mentions, in American culture, sorry syndrome afflicts women much more than men, kind of. According to one study that I found from 2010, men and women are just as likely to apologize if they think they've committed some transgression, but men and women can easily disagree on what kinds of things require an apology. Mm. So in other words, men are 100% willing to apologize in general when they think that they've done something wrong. They just don't think they've done as many things. So my first question from each of you, is that something y'all have noticed in your personal or professional lives? Well, first, let me just say what you said made me think of this. One of my favorite movies is Whiplash. 
I don't know if you've seen that, but it's an intense psychological drama about a drummer who's trying to make it in a cutthroat musical conservatory. I highly, highly recommend. But there's this one scene that's always stuck with me because it was kind of convicting and it relates to this. So the main character, the drummer and his dad go to a movie and they're just sitting there eating their popcorn and someone walks down the aisle in the stadium style seating behind them with a big bag and wallops the dad in the, in the back of the head. And, and instead of him being like, hey, you know, watch out or be careful, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and with that one scene where he's apologizing for getting walloped in the head, you just learn so much about that character. But yes, I definitely deal with this so much. And it really hit me a few years ago that I was doing this because you know how our children, sometimes the behaviors that we find the most bothersome in them are the ones that we ourselves actually do. So one of my children who's very empathetic, she's very attuned to other fe others' feelings, she's very compassionate, so many strengths, but she is constantly apologizing when really it's usually someone else who should be apologizing to her. And so I find myself often telling her, you know, don't apologize for that, you did nothing wrong. Whereas I have other children who I can't seem to get them to form the words, like it's painful for them to actually put those words, I'm sorry, together. But it hit me how very similar she and I are and I realized that I was actually doing the same thing a lot in my own conversations or in my own spirit. So maybe I wasn't actually saying sorry all the time, but I was feeling sorry, you know, feeling to blame. And so I think for her and for me, that nagging feeling that maybe you should apologize hits the hardest when there's a worry that someone else is disappointed, upset, or possibly displeased. This is a really complicated topic for me. And I'm going to just let my inner, I don't know, my inner dialogue on this just go. So I hope it makes sense. But I want to be seen as the kind as a lawyer and as a kind of having been in the corporate world, I want to be seen as somebody who doesn't apologize, hard-nosed. It bounces off me. I have thick skin, like it or lump it. And I sort of, a, part, a big part of me wants to be seen that way. And I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's because of what I've observed or I don't know, maybe that's the influences I've had or whatever. I don't know. But the truth is I the the inside, I just want to apologize so bad and say, I'm so sorry I made you feel bad. <laughs> and I even like when I guess I'm more like your daughter, Rachel, than maybe I let on. I there's like just today I was dealing with an issue with a business partner I have and I love her so much. She's a great partner, but she was a little busy on a project and I was busy on a project and we were both going to be busy at different times and she couldn't get me my deliverable when I needed it. And I was really snappy with her and I wanted to apologize about that, but I really didn't, there was nothing to apologize for. It was just a little more terse than what I would have normally liked to have been. And that probably came through a little bit, but it was a good thing because it let her know that I needed her to respond a little quicker than she had intended. And nothing wrong with that. I would hope she would do that with me. I want to be honest, that makes for a good partnership. But I, there was like so much of me wanted to text her afterwards and say, I'm so sorry I was with you. I, I didn't curse at her. I didn't. It was just very direct. I, I don't have time to work on that tomorrow. I really need that today. And she responded today because she knew I needed it. Nothing wrong with that. But there was such a big part of me, Rachel, like your daughter, that I wanted to say, I'm sorry I interrupted your day. I'm sorry. I know you're trying to do these things. I just really need this today. And I just wanted to, and that's, there's gotta be a middle ground. There's gotta be, it can't be the answer that 
you never apologize, but it also can't be the answer that you apologize when you don't need to. So I'm glad to get into this topic because I think if you, for people that know me really well, I think they would see me as a person that doesn't apologize a lot because I do resist the temptation pretty easily, pretty well. I've just trained myself to do it, but the truth is inside, I'm just dying to apologize. It turns out that there are some good things about what we might consider superfluous apologies. And there's some Harvard Business School studies that show that superfluous apologies build trust. They had one study that where an actor approached strangers at a train station and it was a rainy day and they asked to borrow their phone for Caesar phone and said half the time. The actor prefaced his request with, I'm sorry about the rain, which has nothing to do with, with needing to use somebody else's phone. And the other half of the time, the actor went straight to the point and asked, can I borrow your cell phone? And wouldn't you apologizing for the rain, which is completely outside of their control and has nothing to do with the favor that they're asking, made a big difference. 47% of strangers offered their phone if the actor apologized for the rain, while only 9% did without the apology. That's incredible. That's incredible. So the authors concluded superfluous apologies represent a powerful and easy to use tool for social influence. Even in the absence of culpability, individuals can increase trust and liking by saying, I'm sorry, even if they're merely sorry about the rain. What, what is y'all's gut reaction to this study or to this theory is apologizing really a shortcut to trust or does it undermine it in the long term by being superficial? You know, I actually wonder if what was at work here maybe wasn't that the person said, I'm sorry, but rather that they took a moment for a crucial step, you know, building rapport by finding common ground. So, you know, by mentioning the bad weather, the stranger was quickly establishing common ground, which, you know, does build trust. But I wonder if that he happened to apologize, if that was tertiary to that main effect. But it's still very interesting that whether it was the apology or just the effect of establishing common ground, you know, skipping straight to a request, certainly from a stranger, didn't work. But, you know, you said like what what can be good about this? I feel like what's good about it is that is caring about other people's feelings also good, I think, to have a fine-tuned intuition, to want to meet or exceed expectations, to not let people down, make other people happy, serve. But I, I do want to add that I think what's not helpful about it is that you can end up disrespecting your own decisions, feelings, values, and perspectives. Even if like in this study, you know, in the short term, it gets you somewhere. You know, I think prioritizing everyone else's feelings, sometimes even those feelings that aren't legitimate, so for example, let's say someone wants you to do something in one hour and you're a professional and you know that the plain fact is that even working quickly, it'll take five hours, you know, 10 hours, whatever, then you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't invite blame, I don't think, if you can't meet an impossible deadline, you know, even if someone is disappointed about that. So you can explain the situation and I think apologizing by saying that you wish the situation was different I think is different from apologizing in the sense that you could you could do it in an hour but won't or something like that. I think where we get into trouble is giving everyone else's perspectives credence and dismissing our own. So I feel like that's a recipe for saying sorry when you shouldn't. And it's definitely something that I struggle with. I love that. I love that. I wonder if I'm sorry can function as a rapport builder at times. And I'm sorry, maybe in that situation is the same as nice weather we're having. I just wonder if sometimes I'm sorry is just another way to 
I don't know, to soften a tough conversation or start into launch yourself into something with someone, maybe softening the, I don't know, the intro or something. I, I wondered too, you alluded to that, if that wasn't what was going on here. And I wonder if words that are similar to I'm sorry, you know, let's say they were having beautiful weather that day and you turn to somebody and it's obviously that you're digging around your bag, you've lost your phone and you look at them and they look at you and you say nice weather and you're still digging around in your bag and you're starting to build a rapport because you've said nice weather to them. I wonder if then you say, I've lost my phone. Could I use your phone? I just wonder if that would serve the same. So I don't know if it was the I'm sorry or if it was. And then I wonder about I'm sorry as a verbal pause. I think that happens too. Just we see, we hear that a lot in the South. What is it? If you don't care, will you blah, blah, blah. I hear that if you don't care. And I think if I don't care, I always thought that was a weird statement. And I'm sorry can sometimes come across that way too. But on this one, you specifically asked about earlier about professional lives. And one of the pieces of advice I gave as a lawyer years and years ago that I still remember that I'm really proud of and I worked really hard on, and it was probably could have came and gone without mention, but I worked really hard on it and it worked out really well, is a doctor who had operated on a patient and there had been a, an outcome that was a known risk and the, the outcome was bad. It was a bad outcome, but it was a known risk. And the doctor wanted to express, not an apology exactly, but that they were sorry that the outcome had happened. Although that was a known risk and the patient knew it. So it got vetted, it got vetted around to us. And this was, because some, sometimes these happen on the fly and you don't even know about it, but he wanted to say he was sorry. And instead of me rooting around on it, I thought, this is interesting. So I went and found the doctor and I met with him and we talked about it and we talked about what he was going to say. And it wasn't, and I'm sorry that I operated on you and that I made a mistake or anything like that. He was just, he just was just sorry about the outcome. He was sorry that felt sorry for the person, felt sorry that they were going to have a lot to overcome. And I, I don't know, I think sometimes if you approach it like that too, I'm sorry in the sense that I'm sorry that you're facing this. I'm sorry that I, I wish I could shoulder this burden with you. I don't know. To me, that can, there's a rapport building, I'm sorry. And then there's a superfluous, like, why are you saying this? I'm sorry. And, but, and everything in between. That actually brings me to, to two questions or a, a question I had for you, Mary Scott, and then a, a thought that's very related to the story that you just gave. I, I think they're often you hear, I guess how it's portrayed on television anyway, is that lawyers are always telling you not to apologize because that admits fault. Is that true? I do think you have to be careful. And that was a, and I remember talking to this doctor and we talked about that. And I said, you do have to be careful here, not to imply that you made a mistake because you didn't make a mistake. And I do, but I also think that there's times when maybe, and I'm sorry, we'll have a legal implication, maybe. And you, there's times when you might need to be careful about it, like there was in this circumstance. But I think a lot of times in, in, in our professional lives, especially maybe today with some of the things we've been through in our culture, in American culture, I'm sorry is an off-limits place to go to. And I struggle with that too, to be perfectly frank. And maybe I'm sorry is weak. Maybe there, maybe sometimes it is, but I just can't believe it always is. I just can't believe that seems 
you know, I'm sorry when you didn't do anything wrong. I'm sorry when you've already apologized and it should be done and the door should be closed on it. I'm sorry when, when it's really their fault and all about them and nothing about you. That does seem to be weak, but I'm sorry when you've really hurt somebody, when you've done something that you really shouldn't do that really has caused damage to another or your organization or your family or your reputation. I mean, there's times when I'm sorry, really, it's, it's a good thing. It's gotta be. The reason I ask is because I found, I, I remember hearing about it, I think on a Freakonomics podcast. And then I found an actual study about it that showed when physicians apologized and outcomes like that, whether it was a mistake or just a known potential outcome that happened. And so somebody's life was altered that when the physician apologized, they were 43% less likely to be sued for damages for just people just want to have acknowledged the pain that they're going through, or whether it's a, a huge adverse outcome, like something with malpractice, medical malpractice, or if it's just you bump into somebody and it is an accident, people want to know that you acknowledge that something happened to them that is less than desirable. And so I thought that was fascinating that even when somebody, there was one example highlighted by the Washington Post, where there were contrasting tales of, of medical errors where the two patients they had devastating consequences during surgery and became frustrated by what they termed as the white wall of silence, preventing them from talking to that doctor about what happened. And the first patient is as desperately committed to finding truth at all costs. And in stark contract, following the surgeon's immediate explanation and apology for an error that rendered the second patient quadriplegic, that patient engaged in productive discussions with risk managers, and they were able to settle out, out of court without litigation. And it was better for all parties. But if he hadn't gotten that apology, he says he, he would have pursued something that would have ended up being a lot more expensive for everybody. And he still would have dealt with increasing frustration and anger over the issue. Instead, just knowing, knowing that the, that surgeon acknowledged what happened and was sorry for it helped him on his healing process. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. I mean, I, I don't think that the answer is you, you never apologize or even that you can't just the, the example you used, Mary Scott, where someone chooses those words because in that empathetic moment, that moment of compassion, saying, I am sorry for your loss or your trouble, whatever it is, make a, just the perfect sense. That's what should be said. It seems to me that really the trouble gets into where it's not just words, but it's an expression of what's going on for us in, in our interior. I read a book this year called Don't Feed the Monkey Mind, How to Stop the Cycle of Anxiety, Fear, and Worry by Jennifer Shannon. And she really talks about how anxiety is often related to either three things, intolerance of uncertainty, perfectionism, or over-responsibility. And I think over-responsibility is where often, it's not just you're saying sorry, but your interior landscape, you are feeling, you are taking on blame and guilt and feelings of, oh, what could I have done differently in those areas that you ha maybe have no control over? And I think that's like what we're trying to pinpoint here is doing that less often 
But then times when we are at wrong, being able to say we're sorry. (laughs) Who wants to be the person who doesn't ever say they're sorry? But I know that I want to be the kind of person who isn't constantly shouldering bad feelings and feelings of anxiety and, and saying I'm sorry when there's nothing to say I'm sorry for. I think that if you're listening to the show and you think, I may have sorry syndrome because I'm listening to the show and I think I may have sorry syndrome. I think even though people who know me might not perceive it, I do think I struggle with that. I think a lot of people struggle with it. And I think listening to what Rachel just said, the thing to do might be to ask yourself, are you trying to disappear? Are you trying, you can't live in the world. Nobody should tramp through the world and stomp on everybody in their path. On the other hand, if you live in the world, if you function in in a home, in a community, in a church, in an organization, in a workplace, you're just going to bump into people. You're going to bump into things. You're going to bump into people. Just really ask yourself and decide, where am I in all this? What's my value? And and I can guarantee you this, you do have value. You have value, Curvies. And I guess the apology should be if the, the apology, if the apology doesn't accomplish something good that's external to you, if it damages, if the apology damages you, then you have to examine. That's what I get from Rachel's advice. If I'm apologies, apologizing, not so much for them, but to tie up something that feels broken inside me, then that's not the reason to apologize. And that's not a, that's not a good apology. I think both of y'all are are spot on. And that's how I want to tie these two things together is that when we apologize superfluously too often, people start to assume that our apologies are shallow. And so when we have something that we actually should apologize for, I'm sorry, rings a little hollow. And so even if you're doing it to to build rapport or trust or to be polite or to come across as using soft power, you could be doing long-term damage to the power of a real apology when one is warranted. What do y'all think about that? Do you think there, do y'all agree that there might be a little bit of a dark side or some unintended consequences to almost the verbal diarrhea of apologizing for everything? Well, I want to add to that another negative side to to doing this. I was listening this past week to a podcast called 10% Happier with Dan Harris. He interviewed Ellen Hendrickson. She said that sometimes, you know, you can sit there and ruminate and think, ooh, should I apologize? But you have to ask yourself, am I just seeking through my apology to actually get some sort of reassurance to ease my anxiety, which can kind of get you on this feedback loop of you're not really saying you're sorry to ease somebody else's feelings. You're actually doing it to ease your own. Like she said, the story she told was of a lady who had gone and bought like flowers for somebody whose spouse had passed away or whatever. But when she came to deliver the flowers, she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. These flowers are they're a little bit wilted. I'm so disappointed that they're not as fresh looking as I wanted them to be. And so here she's like, she shouldn't be saying she's sorry for that. But what this therapist who he was interviewing helped this person untangle and realize was that she was seeking the feedback of, oh, no, no, these flowers are perfect. You are so thoughtful. Thank you for doing that. You are not intruding on me. I mean, the list goes on of not really assuaging any real offense, but easing her own anxieties. Validate me. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a, that hits me kind of (laughs) hard. 
honestly. Oh, this whole topic gets close to home. I think that you asked about the dark side and what was rolling through my head is that we all want to live authentic lives. You know, when you do something important that you think is important, that needs to be real for you and real and and you want it to be right and real and and really you. And I think that we all want to live a life that has purpose and a life that has meaning and a life that has a goal and all this is wound up in it. And I think that apologizing can be a real opportunity to be totally phony. On the other hand, it can be an opportunity to be very real, very vulnerable. And it's an opportunity for the relationship to go a lot deep and a deep relationship lasts. It lasts these little tiffs and squabbles and things that happen and bumps along the way that just happen with life. But I think the dark side is if you're if you never apologize or if when you apologize they're haphazard, they're not real, they're not honest, they're not heartfelt. I think the danger is your relationships don't go very deep. Nothing. Well, if you can't apologize, what, what really has meaning? <laughs> we'll not have to give Mary Scott a compliment. I mean, we the three of us have known each other and worked on things together long enough now that we all have things to apologize to each other for. She gave me a, a just, a, it was a small thing, but she gave me a, a real apology. And so I'm just thinking of what you just said, Mary Scott, that real relationships, real friendships, you're going to have these things and you're going to have opportunities to say you're sorry and how that can, that can really sustain a relationship. So I just wanted to give her a prop for that. Well. And I'm sorry for anything I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> just cover all the bases here. I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and uh. I think that's a really good segue to so when should you apologize for something? And I found a re some really good, a really good trick of if something warrants an apology, if something warrants saying, I'm sorry, is it something you feel the need to ask forgiveness for? So when to ask for forgiveness, if you've harmed someone, if you've done something that offended, disappointed, or hurt another person's feelings, even if it wasn't on purpose or it was unintentional and unintentional, when you regret your behavior, be capable of asking for forgiveness every time you make a mistake and your mistake affects others. Apologize to end disputes and leave behind old grudges and learn to be able to ask yourself for forgiveness because all of us make choice, make mistakes. All of us make mistakes. <laughs> God, a person can't say mistakes. I'm so sorry. I can't pronounce mistakes. All of us make mistakes or make inappropriate choices. And another good guideline I found is to say, thank you. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, thank you for letting me get by. Thank you for, for waiting that extra minute while I had to take that and get that thing done. Thank you for being understanding of the limitations of my bandwidth and the needs of this product or this project. In, in that spirit, thank you, dear Curvies, for joining us on this last episode of season two of Bell Curve. And while we take this break for the next couple of months, I hope you'll continue the conversation by letting us know what you care about. What would you like for us to cover in season three? Can y'all believe season three? Oh my goodness. How can we serve you? We're so thankful, so thankful for the community here, for our friendship with each other and our friendship with you. And don't let this next couple of months go by without reaching out to us and letting us know how we can serve you. And as always, a huge thank you to our patrons and our title sponsor, Higher Echelon. We will see you in September. Have a good one.